Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Kyle, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you, Pamela. It's it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to be on the Underdog you know, Podcast. Just the name itself like resonates so well, so I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. The Underdog Podcast wouldn't be the podcast without you know, the whole sharing of the story. So I'm going to reel it back a little for you. And this is one of my favorite questions. It's a bit loaded, but I always love the answers that come out of it. <laughs> Let's go. So what inspired you, Kyle, on your journey to where you are today? That's a great question. I think there's probably a lot of things that have inspired me along the way, you know, different things at different times. You know, when you're a kid, I feel like my family inspired me, parents and my younger brothers and stuff like that. And then even looking up at like, I played sports growing up. So you got like famous athletes and those types of things inspire you. Traveled to 37 plus countries. So, you know, when you traveling and, you know, inspires you just by walking into a country and, and experiencing culture and people and, and even, you know, seeing like real poverty and all those things, like those things start to inspire you. You know, my wife inspires me, my kids inspire me. The idea of being able to change the world and be a world changer, like that inspires me. God inspires me. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that inspire me. I love that, Kyle. I love that. And question for you, like growing up, what did you want to be as a kid? I feel like as a kid, I just wanted to be a, you know, professional athlete, professional baseball player. You know, that's what you you know, all the kids want to be. Yeah, that was kind of the, what I wanted to be, you know, being a little kid running around playing sports and seeing athletes and, and wanting to reach that level. So yeah. Love that. Love that. And where did you grow up? I grew up in a small little town in San, outside of San Diego called Ramona and finished high school actually up in Washington state and went to college in Oregon. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. And Throughout your childhood, who or what has been some of your biggest sources of inspiration throughout that time? Probably like my dad. He was someone who always inspired me. I mean, we didn't grow up with a lot. So uh, he was always working hard and, and making things happen and, and, you know, came from very, you know, humble beginnings, you know, with not the best mindset, you know, as far as like uh, the idea of, of money and all those things was just like not a, it was a poverty mindset, you know, mm -hmm. kind of growing up, but more of a, maybe a lack a mindset of lack or not being enough kind of a thing. I would definitely say my dad, he never gave up, always worked hard. I have three brothers. So, you know, putting us through sports and travel and, and putting food on the table and always, at, you know, having a place over our, like a roof over our head. And even, you know, for a certain small little period, like a roof over our head was, a, was a tent, right. For a little bit. And that was still, you know, something. And so just always seeing him, you know, go to battle for our family is, it was probably a motivating in, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my, I had a similar story. So I came to the U S when I was about five years old, you know, my parents, they came here with nothing. So like mm -hmm. my six months old, I was five and none of our family was here and they didn't know how to speak English. And they just kind of hustled their, their soul up, if you will. Yeah. So I understand what you were saying about like the, the mindset and stuff like that. Cause you're in survival mode. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
and you're just grinding at that point, just trying to provide for, for your family. Wow. That's incredible. So you basically grew up right outside of San Diego. Yep. And then you had moved up to where in, in middle school, middle school, did you say that you moved up? I was going into my junior year in high school. So I was actually not, you know, making the best decisions when I was that age and, you know, ended up long story short, but I was at a party on some drugs and then I ended up falling into a ditch and cracking my head and getting 12 staples. And doctor said I would never play sports again. I was devastated because sports was my life, right? Like baseball and football was my life. And so for the doctor to say like, Hey, you won't be able to play. I was broken, you know? And so, and during that time, my dad actually gave me a Bible verse and it was uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you plans to give you hope in the future. And then you'll call upon me and I'll listen to you when you seek me with all your heart. And so I knew that I needed to seek God with all my heart, not just pieces of it. And so I was real with him. I said, Hey God, like I, I'll, I can promise you I'll never do drugs again. Uh, but I can't promise you I'll never drink or smoke. And I was just being, that's just where I was at the time. We went back to the doctors and a couple of days later to check, to get the staples out. I asked them to check my eyes since I hit my head on this side. Uh, this eye was really dilated and it was really big, basically the pupil. And so I asked him like, Hey, how's my eyes look? What does it look like? And so he looked at him and he's like, they're actually normal. And my first question was why I'd be able to play football. And he's like, possibly with some cat scans and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, it's kind of like a miracle. And so that was the first time that I felt like God was real to me. It wasn't just like, cause I grew up in the church. So I was like, yeah, it's just another Bible story. You know, I show up to church hungover or whatever. And I was like, ah, and I've heard this story, but it was, a, it was a time where like God was real. He answered a prayer and we ended up moving my the at, right after that, just for me to kind of get a new start, just, you know, need a new environment. And so we moved up, up in, in grandma and grandpa up in Washington state and got there two days before two days started for football and just got a new start and uh ended up you know we ended up creating a great group of friends and got like fourth in state in high school or third in state in high school and that was that was awesome and but yeah that's so that's why I moved uh to answer that question was yeah from from that I ended up getting another opportunity right it's a miracle with the 12 staples in your head that you made it my gosh oh my gosh wow wow and that you got a new start too going into high school yeah. Yeah. I got a new start going into my junior year and ended up playing, you know, baseball and football. And then after that, ended up playing college at a small school in Oregon, Corbin University and played four years there. And yeah, it was good. That's incredible. That's incredible. So football was really where your heart and passion was. I mean, even since a kid, you said you wanted to be a professional football player too. So yeah. Yeah. Baseball player, baseball player. Baseball. So I might've said football. Yeah. So, but yeah, football was a big part of it but I went and played college baseball. That's incredible. So you see, you achieved the childhood dream. That's incredible. And yeah. So, <laughs> and now past that point, like in, in college and kind of going into, into life, like what was that transition? Like what, what kind of happened after college? Yeah. Great question. As I was finishing college, I was like, well, I still wanted to try to play baseball. So I was looking at like going and playing in Australia and had some opportunities there and some different places um, and, but I had a mentor was telling me, or I had a mentor tell me about like this, um, you know, this thing where I got to go to 11 countries in 11 months and do all this travel and mission work. And I had just finished playing a summer in the Dominican and I kind of got that travel bug there. And I was like, man, that would be so cool. And so I ended up kind of hanging up the cleats and 
ended up traveling to 11 countries in 11 months right after college. And that was kind of like my transition into, I guess, the real world in some sense. But it was a good transition because I had a lot of friends. You know, when you play sports your entire life, like whether it's baseball or football or soccer or volleyball or whatever sport, right? Like when you play from a kid and then all of a sudden you even you go into college, so it becomes like a job. And then after college, I had so many friends who that was a part of their identity. Like they just like they didn't know what to do. They've been playing the sport since they were five, right? So there was a lot of like, maybe like not like super, like a lot of depression, but like just depression and that transition was hard to kind of maneuver into the real world. So, but I had an opportunity to go travel the world and was kind of distracted with that. And so, and that was kind of my transition into, I guess the real world was traveling. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So 11 countries. So where did you go? Yeah, I went to Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Malaysia. We popped over to uh, Singapore for a couple of days, which is really cool. And then went to the Philippines, South Africa, and Swaziland. Holy cow. You went to some incredible countries. Yeah. Walk me through some experiences for like each one, because I'm trying to live vicariously right <laughs> now. Some of the yeah. What happened there? <laughs> like in, in each one, like any like notable memories of each one. Yeah. I mean, each country just was so unique and so special. So we partnered with people who were like full-time there doing different mission work. So it was everything from like building houses to working with orphans, to teaching English, to fighting human trafficking. So it was just a list of all these things that we got to do. And, and every single month you made these amazing relationships with, you know, just the people and the culture, um, but specific stories. I mean, every, I would say in Guatemala, that was kind of the first eye opener to like true poverty. So we worked in, um, we worked at, had a dump ministry basically. So it was like trash and these people's houses were made of trash literally. And they made cents a day. Like, I think they're, they made $20 a month, something like that. Like it was not a lot of money. And, but you know, you, you go hang out with these kids and these kids have this true joy about them that is just hard to really like comprehend. It's like, they're playing, like they find a, like, I remember this kid, his name was like, started with an L it was like Loso or loose, something like that. I don't remember, but he picked up this little toy dinosaur out of the trash and was just so pumped. It was just like, in that moment, I was like, man, like I'm so blessed just to be in America. And so it was kind of like that that eye opener to real poverty. Like their their homes were made out of trash. Like, and so that was a really amazing experience just to be truly humbled. Um, but yeah, and also see like how joyful people could be in the midst of like nothing. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. I had a very similar experience in the DR when I went in uh, 2009 and I was in high school. We went there and I went to also same thing, like a dump ministry. I just remember, I was like, oh my God, like these people are so grateful for everything. You know, I remember this one family with the mom and the dad and there was 11 kids and there was one full-size bed that they slept on. One full-size yeah. bed. Yep. Yeah. All different age ranges from... I think one to 19. And meanwhile, they're super grateful, happy and everything. And it's like, what do I have to complain about here? Like, yeah. honestly, you, you, once you see that, you can't like unsee that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's crazy. It really is. But yeah, I mean, every country there is just something, there's always something like, like a, in Nicaragua, uh, we built this church on top of this mountain. I remember like going down, we were mixing concrete. And so we like went down to this well 
it felt like a mile and I don't think it was quite a mile, but you had to carry these like five and 10 gallon, like, uh, jugs on your shoulder up, up this mountain. Like, and I was doing it with the, like these kids who were probably like 15, 16 and they were just beasts. And my hands at the end of the month were just like completely torn up, but it was such a cool experience just to be like, wow. Like even, even the, I would call it a, a luxury of, of even just building, like with just the resources to water, being able to like, just have access to water like that, like and go turn on the faucet or like take a shower, all these things, but to like mix concrete, like we had to literally like carry five, 10 gallon buckets on our shoulders up this hill, you know? And then yeah, every country, there was just something amazing, you know, in Thailand, love Thailand, got to ride the elephants, got to see the monkeys, got the, we, I mean, we did fun stuff too. It wasn't like all like these sad, you know, stories. I mean, or, I mean, not just sad, but they're impactful, right? You'll never forget them. It's like, you know, imprinted, you know, on your brain almost. But like in Thailand, we were working with a prison ministry and uh, we were helping like basically prisoners transition from the real world, from their world to like the real world. And so we were helping them with like resumes and just like all this stuff. And so anyways, there was this guy there and he had this like really sweet tattoo. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And he's like, oh yeah, like I did it. And this is all through translation. Right. And uh, right. I don't speak Thai. And he was like, Oh yeah, I did that tattoo. I was like, you did that tattoo. Like you did it yourself. And he's like, Oh yeah, well, that's awesome. And so I had this idea. I was like, what, what if you give me a tattoo and I'll pay you, it'll kind of be like your first job. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like we'll do it. And I had no idea like much right about how they did tattoos there. And so we go over to their house and, and, and this is actually the tattoo. It's this, it's this love tattoo right here. Uh -huh. um, but I was literally like, we go into the house and it's like him and you got, and, and so he like pulls out this like bamboo stick and like sticks some needles in it. And he's like, oh yeah, I just lay down right here. And so like, I was laying on the cold tile floor, which is nice. Cause it's like super humid there. We were there in like May, I think it was so hot. It was crazy. Like people think the South is hot, like and humid. Now this is like different level type of humid. <laughs> and I'm laying on the cool tile floor. So that was kind of nice. And and one guy's making pat thai in the kitchen. The other dude's just like playing on the guitar and he's sitting there just like. T -t 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 -t. And so it's like, it was probably like a 14, 15 hour like process. I wasn't all there at once, but it was like the first session was like six or seven hours. I was like, dang. And then the next one was like four or five. And so, but when he started to do the coloring, so it says it's, I don't know if you guys can see it, but it's like love the world. And then it has like a heartbeat. When he started doing the coloring, he pulls out these gel pen inks and starts squeezing them in the top of a water bottle cap. I'm like, hold up. Like, I don't know if this is all right. And we get a translator there and he's like, oh, Thailand tattoo, Thailand tattoo. And he's like, same, same. Like, it's the same one that he had, like same coloring. And I was like, all right, man. And so, yeah, so he sticks a little, the, the needle in there and just like does his tattoo thing and, and gives me this beautiful tattoo. And so the, like that experience in itself was so amazing. But on top of that, like, so I felt, you know, through the conversations and translator and stuff like that, I said, I said, you know, and I felt comfortable enough, like, Hey, why did you go to prison? Like what happened? Tell me your story. And he said that he used to be like an assassin, like you, he would kill people for a living. And I was like, well, that's why he was so like steady with the, you know, the t -t 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 <laughs> thing. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so he's, and he, but he said that he found Jesus in prison and turned his life around, gave his life to Jesus. And he was living a different life. And now, and so he was, a, and it was just so cool to like see the transformation 
you know, of this man who used to literally kill people for a living. And now he was actually like changing his, his life and being an asset to the community and like doing these great things for businesses. And it was just so cool to, to see that, that change there. But yeah, I mean, there's story after, I mean, I, I need to write a book because there's a story after story. Yeah, that's incredible. I love it. And that one was in Thailand. Thailand. Yep. So cool. I've always wanted to go to Thailand. You should. It's a beautiful country. There's a lot of fun things to do. There's a good like tourist market there as well. It's a great country. That's amazing. I love that story. I love that story. I love that he changed his whole life around too. Like how beautiful mm. is that? Like, I mean, well, that's the one of the greatest 180s I've ever heard from Assassin too. Love, literally, which is yeah. put on you. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's incredible. Then you also went to South Africa too? In a couple of yeah, months. yeah. So I love South Africa. It's probably one of my favorite countries. We worked with like a sports ministry there. Played you know soccer with these kids. And Bradley Barnes was he he ran the the ministry there, and it was awesome. We lived in this community uh, called Ocean View. If anybody's listening, you're from Ocean View. What's up? It's like a melting pot. So South Africa is like a melting pot for Africa, and so you get all these cultures there. And so they called like this area called it was like the colored basically, and so it was just this melt. And then they speak Afrikaans. Like there's like 11 national languages in South Africa. And so, I mean, we got to play soccer every single day with these kids and just, and it was a, it was a hard community, a big gang, a lot of gangs, a lot of people, like there was just like, I think three people that died when we were there, like got shot and like, not like we didn't see it or anything, but like, it was very much like around and they had drugs, which was like called Tuk Tuk, which is, it was basically meth was the drug but they were surrounded by this beautiful area like 10 minutes from the ocean from the cape and so uh, we got to do some amazing things got to go every single time we got to go and help these people uh in whatever country but we always made sure that we did an adventure right and so we got to swim with the great white sharks which was awesome climb table mountain which was amazing and some of the food there was some of the best food i had was just them making it over the fire on their on their outdoor barbecues like some of the best chicken i think to this day some of the best barbecue chicken i've ever had in my life and so yeah that country was absolutely it was so amazing that i actually ended up leading a group of of high schoolers there so it was about Eight months later, I ended up taking a group back of high schoolers that uh, interned with us. And we ended up going to, we did seven weeks in Africa. So two weeks in Mozambique and five, five weeks in South Africa. And we, we, did, we worked with that same group again. And um, it was amazing. And I actually ended up getting engaged that time to my wife on top of Table Mountain. So South Africa has like a very special place in our hearts. So we love South Africa. That's incredible. That sounds like a hell of a journey. My gosh, between all those countries. It really was. It was a whirlwind, but it really set me up for a lot of success in life and just being able to interact with anybody. Because I mean, if you most of these countries, like there's just like, like this, obviously like cultural barrier you're like not everybody speaks the same language and so the great thing about it is i what i love is you can connect with anybody with with a ball right like you don't need to speak the same language to kick a ball back and forth or music like you can hear any type of music and just start dancing and and whatever and it's just like there's this instant connection so it's really cool uh to be able to do that but more like i you know in the business world which i never thought i would be in i can i can really connect with anybody like and we speak a lot of times speak the same language and like all this stuff so it's like i guess it really took away a lot of maybe fear or just talking to anybody about anything like i mean so that there's a lot of and just also some of my best clients are are not they're not from the us right so that travel experience has really been able 
to me to be able to connect with them because unfortunately a lot of Americans aren't very traveled, right? You get outside of American and people, they travel. Right. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love that. I love that. And now coming out of that, when you came home, if you will, like <laughs> that was the, you know, the culture shock you probably just experienced from all those countries. Like what, what happened when you got home and kind of what was the journey from there? Yeah. Great question. So I ended up actually going and I, my brother was in college and so I, and it was the same college that I went to. So I had a lot of connections there. So I went back to that college and I ended up interning. I was interning at a church, but I, I ended up working for this construction guy and working for him and staying in my, I went like went not backwards, but I went and stayed with my brother and his roommates at their college, uh, which was cool. And I ended up leading that trip, which where we went back to South Africa. But then I guess after that, it, you know, I'd recently got engaged to my wife. So we ended up coming out here to Colorado. That's where she's from. So we ended up being here in Durango and we got engaged, you know, and married shortly after uh, in December. It was a beautiful wedding, but then it, you get hit with the real world. It's like, oh, I got to, I got to provide for my family. I got to, you know, do all these things because during that time I had raised money, you know, from working, but also had fundraised. And so, and I had no problem working hard. I've always known how to work hard. And even I didn't really touch on this, but growing up, in junior high and in elementary school backtrack real quick because this will help with the story as it flows but so we had originally lived here in colorado right me and my wife actually went to the same junior or went to the same elementary school but i moved away in second grade and we ended up going to mexico and we did uh, my dad was working on like a development thing down there and some mission work so i ended up going there for about six months got too dangerous so we moved to san diego with my mom's family so I was a new kid. I actually really didn't even start school until second grade, right? Because, you know, no offense to like my parents or anything, but I was homeschooled, which was like, you know, they did okay with, but I was a very rebellious child, right? And then from there, I got kicked out of kindergarten because I would give too many hugs, right? They kicked me out. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. They kicked me out. I was breaking people's bubble. And then from there, I did homeschool. I did one year of like first grade. Second grade was in Mexico. Third grade, I come back to the US and I'm like super behind. So I'm like in a two, three class and didn't read a ton of books. Like I read one book throughout high school. Now I love to read, but I read one book throughout high school. And during that time, I was always kind of like made fun of or trying to like prove myself. And so I really picked up like cross country running because I was good at it. Right. Like I, I remember this time at recess where they had this like running club at recess and I had to be able to beat these kids to be a part of the club. I beat these kids, but they still don't let me be part of the club. So I was always like this kind of being made fun of and bullied and, and always having to try to like, I know I don't seem like I was, but I was. And I had to like prove myself, right? It was an identity thing, right? There's so many, and I think there's a lot of people who struggle with this is trying to prove themselves or do something. So I started to become the kid who was really rebellious in class to get attention and started to, and that's where all like the drugs and the alcohol and all that stuff kind of came in. So mm. fast forward, coming into the real world, like I had no problem working hard. Like I always knew how to, because that's what I had to do as a kid, right? Like, and even in college, like building fences and, and landscaping. So I, that was what I did to make money throughout college. So knowing how to work hard was an issue. So I moved to this small town, Durango, and there's like, it's, it's an expensive town. Like average price point is like 700,000 for a house. Right. And so we, we move here and I'm, I'm having to figure out job stuff. So I start working for UPS. So I work for UPS and I was working my ass off and I was like, man, this sucks. 
And I was like, and I came home, we've been married for like two months. So like, Hey Megan, I quit. She's like, you what? She's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go start this marketing company. I'm going to go work for, you know, start this franchise and all this stuff. I'm going to make sales. And she's like, she was in nursing school. She was in, you know, like not making, a, we weren't making hardly anything. So there's about three or four months of no income. I went over 52 in my sales and like, and I finally was like, gosh, how do, how do I get through and make these sales uh, for this marketing company? Then I, what I, I remembered a mentor tell me like, Hey, go find somebody with fruit on the tree and learn from them and let their ceiling be your floor. And so that's what I started to do in every aspect of my life. And so I realized like, I just needed to learn from somebody who had been there. And so I started finding these people who had been in the company who had success, started making sales, um, grew the company to making 10, 15 grand a month. Uh, some of my best clients were in real estate. So I was like, hey, you know, I need to get into real estate. So there's a lot of things that led into that, but I jumped into real estate kind of, except that, you know, it took me 12 times to pass my test. Uh, and then I realized I just needed to study in a different way. So I bought a program that helped me study and I ended up passing my test. First year in real estate made 222 grand. And then I started making hundred grand on top of that every single month. Now I'm investing in real estate and businesses and all kinds of stuff. So that that's the, that's the rundown, but it, but it really was a journey. Wow. That is so badass. I absolutely love that. Like what? Like going from O to 52. So you were a zero to 52 when it came to those marketing leads. Over like, 56 in sales, like face to face with local businesses in this town that told me no. How did you break that? Because I mean, going like going from rejection, right? That's the number one thing everyone is terrified of is rejection. So how did you break that and kind of dive into this formula and getting to where you are, you know, getting into real estate, 222K and then like building that 100K on top of it? Because that's incredible. Yeah. So like I said, it was that concept of like, Hey, I got to find somebody who's been before me, right? Somebody who's been where I want to be and go learn from them and let their literally let their ceiling be my floor. And so that's what, how I started to break through. It was just a matter of just like, you know, I feel like there's breakthrough on the, on the other side of everybody's fear. Right. And you just got to constantly like run into that fear, hit that fear, hit that fear. And eventually you'll have that breakthrough. But I think the way that you can skip a lot of that, like even a clock's right twice, twice a day, right. A broken clock's right twice a day. So if you want to kind of like accelerate the process, go learn from somebody. And so that's what I started to do. I just started to learn from people. It took the hard way, right? Like I should have started that from the beginning. I shouldn't have gone over 56. I shouldn't have failed my real estate test 12 times. But once I realized like, Hey, I just need to invest in myself. And I invest in in learning from other people. Um, that's when I started to have these successes. And so, um, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't like there's some magic formula, but it's like, hey, there's 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 people who have been there. So figure out what their processes are. Figure out what they're what they're saying. Figure out their systems, and then apply them. And so that's what I started to do. Yeah. And so it was just this constant kind of breakthrough. And what I've realized is that you need to just not, I think the most dangerous place some people can be is taking like action because you need to take massive action because when you're taking action, you're like, Hey, I'm kind of, you know, I'm doing better than this person and this person, but you're kind of in a stalemate. But when you, when you take massive action, you start having bigger problems. And so you got to figure out how to solve these problems. Right. And so that's what I've realized. And, and failing is just an opportunity to learn. So the quicker that I can fail, the quicker I can learn, quicker I can start to change what I'm doing and to have that success. Because I think most people are, are just afraid of taking action because they want everything to be perfect versus like, Hey, I just need to take that action. I need to fail. I need to, you know, fall forward. I need to go learn from the people who, who have been before me and I need to apply it and just learn and just go. And that's been, I think a huge key to the success. 
I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, because I mean, in the face of rejection, we're always, you know, freaking out. Everyone's always so nervous about that whole thing. And entrepreneurs, you know, just shifting into something new, you know, like even when you transitioned into real estate, like, and like crushing it in that realm, like what has been some of your biggest pieces of advice, piece of advice or pieces of advice for like entrepreneurs who are looking to transition or just like in general that have really helped you throughout your process and journey? Yeah. Just in specifically into real estate or just into anything? It's anything could be real estate too, since you've made a transition into that. And that was kind of a new world for you. Yeah. So for that, I'm actually, so I'm doing some training now for real estate agents. So it's a free webinar. If anybody wants to do it, it's make, make 90 K and 90 days.com. And so it's my blueprint systems on exactly what I've done to do that. So if you're in real estate and you want to figure out, Hey, how do I make 90 K in 90 days? How do I focus on luxury listings? How do I make, have buyers and sellers calling you versus you always trying to call them Then go ahead and just, you know, you can go to that, go to that website, make 90 K in 90 days.com sign up for the free webinar. I do it twice a week and it's, and I help answer questions and get, kind of get people to where I've been. So I, I give you my systems and processes and, and all the stuff, right. Marketing, all of it. Um, but I think for anybody just looking to make that shift into, into the business world or as an entrepreneur, I really do feel there's a couple of things. One, I think changing the way you think, right? Because if you, the way you view yourself, the way you think changes everything. And so for me, I've created a morning routine and that morning routine has built momentum into my day. And so no matter what happens, I'm winning from the time that I wake up, I'm winning. And so that's been a huge thing, right? And then the second thing, I think one of the, like I said, learning from people who have gone before you. So figuring out like, hey, who can mentor me in this space? Who has opened up a coffee shop? Who can mentor me in this space? Who has started investing in multifamily? Who can, you know, mentor me in this space? Who has opened up, you know, an outdoor adventure company? Whatever it is, right? Whatever you want to do or clothing company or whatever that is, a makeup line. Like find people who have gone before you and learn from those people because that's going to accelerate the process, right? You're going to learn from their mistakes. You're going to learn. I think the best student always wins, right? So if you can become the best student, and then I think marketing is a huge piece. So if you can figure out the right marketing, because it's not always the best real estate agent that wins, it's the best marketer that wins, even though I pride myself and I believe that, hey, you know, ethically and everything else, I'm going to do better than everybody else. But I get listings because of of the marketing, right, that I do. So yeah, I would say those those three things, the morning momentum, building momentum into your day, morning routine, definitely that, oh, learning from the other, learning from people, right? And then third is marketing. But um, as far as the morning routine, I can share a little bit about that um, yeah. and what mine looks like. So um, and everybody's different, but for me, you know, I'm waking up at between four and four 30 and anybody can do whatever they want, but that's the time that I wake up. When I first wake up, I do some Wim Hof breathing. So just accelerate the, you know, getting oxygen in the brain and really wake up. And then I sit down and I write what I'm thankful for. I read some scripture. I spend some time in prayer. And then from there, I call it the power hour. So I, I'm literally like doing the most, like my what I call HLA high leverage activity or IPA increasing profit activity. What's the most 
like valuable thing that you could be doing? Like what's the biggest thing that you need to tackle in that day? I do it within that hour. And it's not, you know, emails. Usually it's like copy, right? Figuring out what's the right copy that's going to hit. What's the right video that's going to do really well, you know, maybe. So figuring out for you, like where, cause 20%, yeah, 20% of your time makes you 80% of your money. So you need to figure out like, Hey, where's my time best spent? And how do I, what needs to be created in that first in that hour, right? Then from there, I go to the, I go to, the, I go and work out, and I, I read this letter to myself, or I have it memorized, but I, I say it out loud because I, faith, I believe faith comes through hearing. So in order to hear something, you have to speak it. And so I speak out these truths about my identity, my goals, my dreams, and most people never write down there. And so also when I'm like writing down what I'm thankful for, I'm writing down my goals and my dreams because people write down their goals in January and then they never write them down again, right? They just it's almost like your dreams are, are, are just slowly dying because you're not feeding it the fuel that it needs. Like, just like your body needs fuel, just like your car needs fuel, fuel, your dreams need fuel. And so I write them down every morning and every evening. And then from there I do, I do the workout. I say, you know, I, I, I say, I read out my letter to myself out loud, not just like in my head, I say it out loud. And then during that workout, and then I lately I've been doing this cold plunge thing. So I've been jumping into the river. Like this morning, we worked, worked out at 6 a.m. And then afterwards, we, and it's like 21 degrees, right? Like, and we jumped in the river. It didn't go head under, but just like right to here. And uh, it's just, it, it just resets your body. It wakes you up. I mean, it does so many things. There's so many benefits for it, right? Then from there, I go, I go dominate the day. So that's just, it builds momentum into the day and literally, like you can't lose after doing that, right? You do all that stuff. You're like, dang, like you just feel like a champ. And so I think the hardest thing too for people is like figuring out like how to wake up early and how to be, you know, how do you go off of seven, seven hours of sleep all the time? Like, what does that look like? And, you know, I think that literally like I work so hard and bust my butt. And even with my family, I, I, you know, when I'm with my family, I go hundred percent all in all the time. Cause when it's time to go to bed, my brain's done. Like I'm done. Like is I sleep and I get to that REM sleep quick, right? It's it's just really really good. That's the momentum. Everybody can look like something different, but if you did anything, I would say write down what you're thankful for, and write down your goals and dreams and sweat. Those three. If you did those, if you just did those three things, you'd kill it. Love that. Oh my gosh, I love that, Kyle. I absolutely love that. Oh man, and like now, I mean, you've dove into real estate, you're investing in all these businesses, you're doing all these different things, even in the marketing world as well. Like what's up in your world in like the next couple of months? Like what's new and happening? Well, what's new and happening? We're having a, our third kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, end of April, April 25th. Wow. So yeah, that's kind of what we're we're focused on. So we're going to be hunkered down for a little bit. But, uh, you know, I went to this mastermind in Puerto Rico, which was really awesome not too long ago and really you know, learned how to even market even better for the, like in the real estate world and growing, growing, you know, my, my team of agents all across the country and stuff like that. So that's been, been huge. But I also realized that it transitions into other businesses. And so I'm taking the same concept and helping some startup companies, certain companies. I mean, the threshold is really like if the company's making a million bucks, if you're netting anywhere from like 800 to a million, we could help you like five, six X that. And so with this con concept, and so I'm sitting, sitting down with, it would work for smaller, smaller companies, but from just a time perspective, like, like it takes a lot of time to kind of set up it's for big ticket items. And so this same concept is, is I've decided I'm going to take on 10 companies 
I'm working with two already. And so I got to just, that's in the marketing world, I guess that's kind of what I'm doing. And then uh, in the investment world, you know, looking at multifamily, stuff like that, syndicating some deals, looking at some franchises. I can't say too much on them just because NDAs and stuff, but. That's amazing. That's amazing, Kyle. My gosh, it sounds like an exciting time for you the next like year or two. My gosh. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride. But I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is always keeping my family, you know, at the forefront because what I don't want to do is I don't want to get to the finish line. Right. And then, cause I've seen this so many times where, you know, you see these super successful people, but they're super empty on the inside. Right. Cause they've lost their family along the way, the divorce, the, you know, yeah. the kids don't, don't know them, don't like them, all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, man, I got to make sure that my family is the number one priority in my life. And people say that, but it's like your actions speak louder than your words. So you know, really going to be taking some time off when we get this baby coming and just when I've been getting home in the afternoons, like going outside and just playing hard with the girls. And I, I'm a girl dad. I have, th- I'm going to have my third girl. So, so just making sure that is like at the forefront is, is really key for me. Absolutely. I love that, Kyle. And now you mentioned your website a little bit earlier than 90K and 90 days, but where can everybody reach you uh, after hearing your story? Yeah. So barefruit life, actually barefruitlife.com um, is, is kind of the, the homepage and is uh, where you can contact me if you're interested about real estate or investments or having me come and speak or something like that. So that's, that's where you can, you can get a hold of me. And I, I do want to share one more story if it's okay yeah. about the whole family thing. So this uh, story is what kind of led me into more like consulting and coaching and stuff like that is because you know, I was working with a high net worth individual. So I fly out to Florida to meet with them and I've never met him, just talked to him on the phone a handful of times. And so I was actually out in West in West Palm for a conference. And I was like, Hey, let's connect. And he's like, yeah. So we go to this, the super nice hotel called like the breakers and we can go have dinner and he walks up, did not. Ex- and this is funny, right? You never expect somebody to look the way that they sound over the phones. Like, man, I did not expect you to look. I thought he was going to be like, you know, 55, it's more like 34 and like, just totally not the person that I thought I was going to be meeting with anyways. So high net worth individual looking to spend $40 million on a residential home in Colorado. And so we've been talking through some different stuff and we just start connecting. He's actually, you know, a family from a different country. And so we just connected all, all on that stuff, which was really awesome. And then, um, he starts talking to me and I had my family with me on this trip, even though it was business, we made it into like a work or like a family vacation added some, I think like two or three weeks into that. And so he's like, man, and he had recently just gone through a divorce, um, has a, you know, five-year-old kid. And, and so we're sitting there and he's like, man, like Kyle, like I can have anything I want in this world, like anything. He's like, but I don't have what you have. And I was like, dang. And it just kind of hit me, you know, in the, in the, in right in my gut, like, I was just like, ah, oh, just like my heart hurt for him. Like, like, and, but more, I was like, man, like there's a lot of people out there who are hurting, who maybe have, have everything figured out financially, you know, whether it's spiritual, mental, physical, family wise relationships, they're, they're just empty on the inside. And so just having that full, every single one of those kind of buckets full and not just full, but overflowing makes a huge, huge difference, like just in your life. And so, so that's kind of how I started to get into like, the whole like pushing like the bare fruit stuff and like full circle. Like I, I want to help people 
create financial freedom, but at the same time, like, I don't want you to have this financial freedom, but not have the things that matter the most, you know? So. I love that barefoot.com. Yeah. Barefootlife.com. Yep. Right. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you can work and hustle all you want. If you don't have those important things, what's it worth? You know? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Kyle, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your story, sharing your journey, all the beautiful lessons and everything, man. I'm excited to see where you go in the future and just like all the amazingness you're going to continue to create in this world. So thank you so, so much. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is overtime, working like some underdogs. Underdogs. Underdogs.